many of you are ready to get into the Word of God this morning? I'm ready. I got my running shoes on. I got my old school Adidas. I got my, my flag socks. And, and I got my red, white, and blue. And I am ready to preach freedom to you. Are you ready? All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I got one verse for you this morning. I got one hard-hitting, just punch in the gut to the devil. And I want us to stand as we read the word this morning. I don't always do that, but this morning, it kind of goes along with the scripture. And there's something honorable and powerful about standing for the word of God. Do you know that this book has blood on it? I think every Christian at some point in their life should read the book of martyrs. Because I think one of the freedoms that we take for granted is that we take for granted this book. We take for granted that this book has been in the hands of generation to generation, spiritually passed down to you and me, and that there are people that literally gave their lives so that you and I could have this book. So I think it's good to stand for the reading of the Word of God and to honor the Word of God. But as you'll see, there's, there's also a little something in this verse that I think is important that I wanted you to do, uh, take a spiritual step this morning. And you already have by standing right now. So we're going to read this word together, and we're going to have it up on the screen. So let's read this together. You ready? All right, here we go. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We're going to read it again. You ready? Let's go. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. All right, we're going to read it one more time, because there's something about three. There's something about it that solidifies it in your spirit. This time, when you read it, I don't want you to just read it. I want you to say it like you mean it. I want you to say it and read it in faith, like you believe that you're free this morning. Are you ready? Let's go. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Would you pray with me? Come on, give Jesus some praise. Come on, right now, come on. If you're grateful, you're free this morning. Give God some praise. And don't just do it half-hearted. If you're going to do it, then do it. Come on, somebody give him some praise this morning. There's breakthrough when you praise. There's breakthrough when you give God gratitude and when you thank him for what he's done. So, Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus. Today, we lift up the name of Jesus. We're grateful for Jesus. We, it's all about you, Jesus. And we're so grateful for the life that you've afforded that we truly are free. And, Father, today I pray that the revelation of the freedom and the price that you paid for to set us free would sink down deep into our souls and in our spirits this morning. God, I pray for a fresh revelation of that freedom that we have in you, that we are no longer bound by sin, but we are truly free to follow you and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated, but as you're seated, uh, it has been my tradition if you've been around Hope Church, if you're newer to Hope Church, if you're just visiting, by the way, if you're visiting, welcome to God's country. You'll never want to go back. 
except for today. But don't worry, it's going to get better just like it was yesterday. So it's all good. You might have to grill and eat your hot dogs inside, but it's all good. It's going to get nicer. This is a beautiful place to live. But I, I just had this conviction as a local pastor that our country needs prayer. I think we could all agree on that. When we look at the landscape of what's happening in our nation, uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for my kids and my grandkids and future generations. And I believe that it's the church's time to wake up and to get on our knees and pray. And so I, I like doing this, I, but I don't want to pray by myself. I want you to pray with me when I pray. I want you to just pray whatever's in your heart for our nation as I pray and lead us out. And we're going to do it for about 60 seconds. We're going to pray for our nation. Can we do that? I think it's appropriate, especially on this Independence Weekend, that we pray for our nation together as a church. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the freedom to live in this great nation, the United States of America. And Father, forgive us for taking that freedom for granted. God, today, as your church, we lift up our voice to heaven and we ask that you would forgive us of our grave sin of turning our back on you as a nation and following after other gods. Father, will you forgive us? Will you cleanse us? And mostly, will you heal our land as you hear from heaven the cries of your people? God, we pray that you would send revival in America once again. God, you did it in the past. You can do it again. God, there is nothing too good. This country is not too far gone for your hand. But God, we put it in your hand and we say, God, we are in trouble if you don't move. We need your spirit to move. God, we pray for Washington, D.C. We pray for President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, their cabinet. We pray for Congress, the Senate, the House of Representatives, the Supreme Court justices. Father, we pray for every state in our nation. And God, we pray that you would move powerfully. God, bring us back to the foundation of this country, which is in God we trust. We are one nation under almighty, sovereign God. And we place our trust and our hope solely in you, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. You know, um, I love history. How many history buffs you got out there? I, I love history. I didn't like it so much when I was in high school, which is interesting. Like, I think I was one of those kids where um, I get my book in the beginning of the year, you know, and you're supposed to go home and make like a paper with paper cover for it and tape it on there and stuff so it didn't get damaged. And uh, I was one of those kids who get, I'd get my textbook and when you were supposed to clean out your locker at the end of the year, it was like, oh, that's where that's been. It was like piled underneath of, you know, Cheetos and whatever, you know, speed stick and, you know, my cleats from football. And, and so I, I didn't really pay much attention to history when I was in high school. But as I've gotten older, and, and those of you who are getting up in years, I'm sure you could probably relate to this, I've grown to appreciate history. I, I've learned something about history, and that is that we can learn something about history. We can learn something not only about ourselves, but we can learn something about human nature. History repeats itself. That's why um, people that want to do away with the Old Testament, I think that is a huge mistake. And I don't mean they want to take it out of the Bible, but I mean they want to say, well, that's the Old Testament. And, and we're living in the New Testament age, which is true. But I believe that there's a reason that God left the history of the Old Testament in the Bible. It's because we need to learn from it. And, and today, um, as I was reminiscing and, and researching and doing a little history lesson, brushing up on uh, the American Revolution 
and finding out more and more details of how we became free as a nation, there's a few things that, that really struck me in my pursuit of, of just wanting to know the history and wanting to know as much of the history as we can. And so the title of my message to you this morning is What Freedom Looks Like. What Freedom Looks Like. Because in our day and age where, you know, we're gonna, we're here, we're in Montana, this beautiful place, and the 4th of July for a lot of us has become a day where we barbecue and we gather with friends and family, and it's about hot dogs and apple pie and Chevrolets and sitting in the back of those Chevrolets because that's what we do in Montana and watching fireworks and, you know, watching Joey Chestnut see how if he could eat 60 hot dogs this year, dipping them in that water, shoving them down his throat, you know, and we have all these fun traditions. That's grossing some of you out, I know, but they are Nathan's hot dogs, you know, so that, that's a good thing. I, I come from New York and I know Nathan's hot dogs, they got no fillers, no byproducts, they're good. Anyway, um, that's just a little, they should give me an endorsement money for that, don't you think? Uh, but, you know, oftentimes this is what we equate with Fourth of July, having the day off and uh, just having fun wearing the red, white, and blue. But I think the more removed that we get from when the, the Declaration of Independence and when the war was fought, when the war was won, and we don't see the price that people paid for the freedoms that we've been afforded and that we've inherited, the, the more we are removed from that, the more we forget what freedom looks like. See, we, we think that freedom looks like fireworks and red, white, and blue and those awesome Krispy Kreme donuts y'all are gonna get to eat after service. And, and, and we think freedom looks like all these things, but we don't realize what freedom really looks like. Now, let me break it down to you because I love history and, and I, I think that we can learn a lot from it, but I think oftentimes there's a lot of spiritual parallels to history, especially when you look at the Old Testament. And I was thinking about how this country's freedom was won. And I was thinking about our own spiritual freedom in Christ. And I think as, as believers, you hear messages from preachers, you read scripture, and we read all these things about freedom. And we, we want to believe in faith that freedom really means that I could be free from sin. That I could really be free from shame and guilt. I could really be free from addictions. I could really be free from the habitual sin that plagues my life and your life. And yet we see freedom on other people. We come to church and we see people and we think, man, I wish I was free like them. I wish I could worship like them. I wish I, wish I was that free. And, and we come to church with this deep down hope that what we read in scripture, we can really believe and that we could really be free. But what we don't see is the price that was paid to gain that freedom. What we don't see is the scars from the battles that were fought the blood that was shed, the sacrifices that were made, the inheritance that was lost, the things that were given up, and the damage because of the price of freedom. This is what freedom looks like. And so today, what, what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna bring to you just taking a look at our history. There's some things that I learned from it that I, I wanna pass to you this morning. The first one is this, that the 
American Revolution, the Declaration of Independence, the 4th of July, we, we celebrate it on the 4th of July and, and we're reminded, just like we saw in that video, that there was this Declaration of Freedom made on July 4th, 1776. But the war would actually last eight years. And seven of those years of war would be after the Declaration of Independence was penned. See, if you don't know your history, you might mistakenly believe that it, in July 4th, 1776, that freedom, the moment that that declaration was made, freedom was gained. But that's not what freedom looked like. On that day where they nailed that declaration of independence onto that door, it was when hope rose that freedom could actually be obtained. But freedom hadn't been possessed yet. They hadn't lived in freedom yet. There were still battles to fight. And we look at scripture and we see, just like we read a minute ago, that is for freedom that Christ set us free. That we no longer have to be slaves to sin. We no longer have to be slaves to fear. We no longer have to be slaves to anxiety. We no longer have to be in bondage to our past. We no longer have to be in bondage to bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and jealousy. None of those things we have to have because of what Jesus Christ did. And we believe it. But is that what freedom looks like in our own life? Are we living in that freedom? And, and if we're going to be honest with each other this morning, I think we would say no. There's many areas in our lives where we're lacking the reality of that freedom. That we're not truly walking in the freedom that Christ paid for. And so for a lot of us, this morning we come in to this place of worship and we carry with us the sins of the past. The sins of our fathers and mothers passed down from generation to generation. And there's things that we can't seem to get free of no matter how many times we've asked God to forgive us. And we, we proclaim to God, we'll never do that again. We seem to fall into that same sin over and over and over again. And my, my fear as a pastor is, is that the enemy convinces us over time that true freedom is impossible. He gets in your ear and he says, you're never gonna change. You'll never be able to get free. You're never gonna win this battle. And yet I feel like the Lord and the Holy Spirit gave me an assignment this morning to proclaim to you on July 3rd, July 3rd, July 3rd, the day before the Declaration of Independence. See, there's something about the day before. Did you know that I believe that God sets you up? That you're not here by accident, but you're here because God is getting ready to do breakthrough in your life. And just like on the day of Declaration of Independence, when they rang that freedom bell, I believe that God brought you here this morning because he wants to wake you up to the reality of what Jesus Christ paid for you and for me to set you free from not just your sins, to forgive you of your sin, but he set you free from the power of sin. Sin no longer is your master, that you are free. You're free indeed. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we are free people.
But if we're going to find this freedom, what freedom looks like, it begins with this. You got to get tired of the tyranny. You have to be tired of the tyranny. Now, tyranny, it was a term mostly used for government oppression, but the, the term tyranny really means cruel and abusive power. I believe sin is the greatest tyrant that you and I face in this life. That sin is a brutal taskmaster that once it, you are caught in its grips, it will abuse you and it will try to control you and keep you under its power. And until you and I get to the point where we are so tired of the journey, I would propose to you that real breakthrough won't happen. You gotta get to the place where you are so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I know in my spirit as I was praying, I know this morning that there's some of you, you came in here and, and you're dragging yourself to church Outside, you might look fine, but on the inside, you're tired. You're tired of fighting the fight. You're about to give up. And I love that Paul said in Galatians 5.1, which we read, stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the liberty. That word stand in, in the Greek, it literally means to persevere, to persist, to keep getting up. Yeah, you may have gotten knocked down in the battle, but I'm telling you, you ain't gonna win the fight if you stay knocked down. You gotta stand back up. You gotta persist. You gotta have a devil. You, you might've knocked me down for the moment, but I'm gonna get back up. I am not done because Christ is in me and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise this morning. Stand fast in the liberty. And you got to get tired of the tyranny. Do you know in the American Revolution, leading up to the American Revolution, there were several things that happened that the colonists finally got fed up and said, we can't take this anymore. Little by little, as uh, the British government was taxing, they were, they were putting these certain taxes on. There was unfavorable things like tea. Uh, the colonies wanted to be free to trade with the Dutch and different uh, merchants. And, and British government taxed them on tea from anywhere else except for Great Britain. And so they got tired of it. And you know the, the story of the Tea Party, right? There was little things along the way like that. It, it started to add up. But here's the problem. With their tyranny came benefits. There was some benefit. In fact, it was interesting when I was reading about the Declaration of Independence, there, we often think that most of the colonists didn't want to be ruled by Britain, and that is actually not true. That there was a group of people that enjoyed the benefits that came with being under their rule. The Bible says that, that sin, that we, first of all, that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That is God's best. We, when, when it says we've fallen short of the glory of God, the glory of God is God's best for you and me. It's when God's face shines upon you and rests upon you in his favor and his life and his peace and his joy. We've all fallen short because of sin. Sin is a tyrant. But there are some benefits. The Bible says that sin is fun for a season. And, and, and the immediate gratification. You see, there were some, while they were crafting the Declaration of Independence, there was others that crafted the Declaration of Dependence. 
They crafted a document in the antithesis of the Declaration of Independence that they declared that they were dependent on Great Britain. That even though they didn't like how the government was a tyrant to them, they were willing to live with it because of the benefits. I wonder how many of us are okay with sin living in our life because we enjoy the benefits of sin. And we don't talk about that in church, but that's where the rubber meets the road. We actually like sin to some degree. We enjoy the benefits of the sin, but we don't like the tyranny that sin brings. We don't like the shame. We don't like the guilt. We don't, we don't like the fear, the anxiety, the door that when we open our hearts to sin, that there's a thief that comes in and he tries to steal your joy, rob you of your peace, steal the love of God, and leave you feeling empty the next morning. The Israelites were no different. When you look at the history of the Jewish revolution, i.e. the Passover or the Exodus, whatever you want to call it, I want to read to you in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. And it came to pass in the process of time. See, there's a process where you got to get tired of the tyranny. You got to get sick and tired of the sin. And it came to, and this sometimes it's a process. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And I'm reading out of the King James Version, by the way, this morning. I feel like, you know, it's appropriate. Uh, King James, England, you'll get it. Wait for it. Uh, but I, I, every time I read the King James Version, there's just something in me I feel like I need to say with a British accent, right? There's something, and it came to pass. <laughs> That's Shakespearean English. The king of Egypt died. No. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. They sighed, they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of their bondage. And look at this in verse 24. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I remember when I, before I got married, I just graduated college. And... Um, I got exposed to some things as a young man that no young man should ever get exposed to. And, and mind you, this is before smartphones. By the way, parents, it's easier than ever. Should scare us, worry us, we gotta protect our kids. But I got exposed to some things and when I did and I, and I sinned, I opened a door to my soul that allowed a not good spirit of lust to come into my life. And, and I became, I got saved and Jesus forgave me of my sin, but the old man wanted to keep coming back and trying to tell me that I wasn't free, I wasn't forgiven, and that I couldn't resist the temptations that the enemy was throwing at me to pull me back into my life of sin. And, and so it got to a point just before, I call this, this God's marriage gift to my wife and I. There was this lady who came um, to our church and she did a three-day uh, three uh, seminar on freedom. And she used this verse and she said this, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, that just like the Israelites, because if you look at the pattern, and there's a pattern to sin, if you look at the pattern in the Old Testament, here's the pattern. God would make them free, 
over, t- over the process of time, their freedom, they started to take for granted. And they, in their prosperity that came with the freedom, they would forget about God being the one who made them prosperous. And they would turn to other gods. And when they did that, God said, okay, you want other gods to be your God? I take my hand of blessing and protection and prosperity off you, which always led them into bondage, to slavery. And then they become slaves. And over the process of time, they would sigh. A sigh is this. And this is what the lady said. She said, you got to get to the place where your spirit is groaning to be free. Until you get to the place where you're groaning to be free, you're not ready for freedom. Because if you don't get to that place, you'll just walk right back into your bondage, just like the Israelites. But it said that over the process of time, at first they sighed. A sigh is like, you know, I don't like this, but I got to live with it, you know, but I got garlic and leeks and, you know, some cool stuff here in Egypt. So, all right, we'll deal with it. That's a sigh. You don't like it, but you live with it. Then they got to a place where they didn't just sigh anymore, but there was a cry to God. God, I'm tired of this. I can't take it. I can't take it. Would you just, would you remove it from us? And that's, that's the problem right there. The Holy Spirit just reminded me, for some of us, we think freedom looks like God just waving his magic wand and saying, you're free. And this is what we want. We want instant freedom. Just like we have been accustomed in our culture, culture to instant gratification, we want instant freedom. But God knows better. When he brought the Israelites into the promised land, eventually, after he got them out of slavery, Notice that he didn't remove the giants in the land. Notice that he didn't remove the thorns and the thistles. He said, no, you're going to have to do some battles. You're going to have to do some work. Paul said it like this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. So there's this partnership that God wants in relationship with him and the Holy Spirit, where yes, no doubt there are moments where God can set you free in a moment. Where at the end of this service, we're going to have our prayer team up here. And you come up here, there could be something that you've been wrestling with and you want freedom in it. And there is no doubt in my mind that God can set you free. But let me tell you something. Even if you get free, let me tell you what, what freedom looks like. It's my next point. Freedom is messy. It ain't clean. We want this clean break and we want it all neat and tidy and we want to walk away and not have to have temptation or deal with the old man or old sin or old habits anymore. But let me tell you something, freedom's a bloody mess. I should have said that in old English. Freedom's a bloody mess. It's a bloody mess. There's no freedom without blood. There's no freedom without sacrifice. See, we're, we are just fooling ourselves if we think that we could get free and not sacrifice anything for the freedom. The blood is on the book. The blood is on the book from the beginning to the end. There's no freedom without bloodshed. In the garden, when sin was introduced, God made for themselves a covering. And we like covering. We think that's the emperor's new clothes. Like we, God just outfitted them with some Dolce & Gabbana and some Versace, right? And some Gucci and give me my nice outfit. All the, all the ladies said, holla at your boy, where's my heels? 
And let me tell you something, that he had to kill an animal, and when he covered them in animal skins, make no, uh, make no claim about it that those were not just covered in animal skin, but it was covered in blood. It's the blood that covers. It's the blood that cleanses. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. There's no breakthrough without the shedding of blood. There is no getting free. There is no freedom without sacrifice. This is why when God set up the tabernacle in the middle of the wilderness and he said, this is gonna be a hosting place for my presence where you can find forgiveness of sin and you could find freedom that the very first place when you entered in to, you couldn't even get into the Holy of Holies. You couldn't even get into the presence of God without going by the brazen altar. That's the, that's the altar of sacrifice. It was a bloody mess. You come up on it and there's blood. I don't mean to gross you out this morning, but I'm telling you, freedom is messy. It isn't clean. We, we want clean. I'm telling you, there's things that God did in my life that week, that greatest gift, wedding gift that God gave me. That weekend, I got set free. I got set free from a spirit of lust. But can I tell you, I've had to fight my whole life for it. For seven years after the Declaration of Independence, there was bloody wars. Yeah, there was a declaration, but a declaration without a demonstration is just empty words. When God said, for I so loved the world that I gave my only begotten son, what if he never sent Jesus? What if he just told us how much he loved us? Would that have been powerful? We would have doubted it. See, God understood something. First, there's a declaration or a proclamation, and there's a demonstration. There's got to be a demonstration that we believe in faith, that we are really free, and that out of our freedom, we are fighting from victory, not for victory. Because he's my champion, just like we sang earlier. So you may not feel free, but faith isn't about feelings. Faith is about standing on the word of God. Now faith comes from hearing and hearing by the very word of God. It is the word of God, the proclamation, the declaration that I am free. But do we really believe it? Because if we believe it, there's gonna be a demonstration. What do you mean, Pastor Hans? Here's what I mean. That if we believe it in faith, we are going to start walking in the freedom that Christ paid for. We are going to demonstrate that we believe it by walking out our freedom. By understanding that there's no temptation that has overcome you. Except that is common to man. But with every temptation, I will provide a way out. I love that Jesus, when he came, he came to make a declaration that he was here to demonstrate the love of God by showing us the Father and to set captives free. In Isaiah 61, he said it. He said it. He came and he said the words prophesying what he would come to do. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And then not only did, he come, did I come to proclaim it, I came to demonstrate it. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You see, there are two things that want to keep you bound in your life. The enemy wants you to be held captive 
by other people's sins against you, and he wants you to be a prisoner of your own sin. See, we can be in bondage not only to our own sin, but we can be in bondage to other people's sins because when somebody sins against you, there's a wound in your soul, and a wound in your soul opens you up to a spirit of resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and with it comes its fledgling of little, little demons that come in and make you jealous and make you rage and bitterness inside you. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to be in bondage. You can be free and you can be free now. But freedom's a bloody mess. It's messy. I was reading this uh, story. Actually, uh, uh, my spiritual dad was telling me about this story of a guy, uh, his name was Sandy Cornish. And he was uh, an African-American man living in the mid-1800s in the South. And yet he worked hard and he bought his way to freedom. And he had his freedom papers, which were your papers that would prove that you were a free man. And uh, he left them in his, his house and there was a fire that broke out and through the fire it burned his freedom papers and he had no, no proof, no document, no declaration that he was a free man. And so he was out one day, and this is in Florida, he was out one day and some slave masters saw him and came up to him and asked him to see his freedom papers. And he knew he didn't have it. They got into a skirmish and he was able to actually flee and get away from them. But he went back home to his wife and he said, we've, we've got to get out of here. I don't know what to do. And so what he did is the very next day, he went out into a public place and he went out uh, with a knife and a hatchet. And he actually took off his Achilles. He opened a hole. He slashed a gash in his leg and ripped out his Achilles tendon. He did it in both legs and he went even further. He did this in a public place to make a demonstration to let people, he, he cut off with a hatchet, he cut off his own finger. And they say, actually put it in his mouth like a cigar. And then he sewed it back on and he sewed up the wounds. But he told the people that were looking, he said, there is no way I am going back to be a slave. Let it be known today that I will never, ever go back to being a slave with a master over me. And you'd say, man, that's extreme. By the way, that man went on to be a pastor and preacher and preach the good news about Jesus because he was free and started a church in Key West that is still there to this day. An amazing man, book written about him called After the War great book. But let me tell you something. Until we get to the point where we're tired of it and, and, and we're ready for freedom in the mess of whatever I have to do. What, look at Jesus himself said, if your right hand causes you to stumble, sin, and lead you into sin, cut it off and throw it away. Put that up. Matthew 5.30 in the Amplified Version. Cut it off and throw it away. That is remove. Listen to this. Remove yourself from the source of temptation, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than the whole body to go into hell. Some of you here this morning, you got, if you are tired with it, if you, want, if you want to know what freedom looks like, freedom starts with recognizing I've got a problem. 
and I'm tired of the tyranny. But the second thing is, is you got to be willing to fight. Now, just like we, we sang this morning, Jesus is my champion. He'll fight my battles with me. He will fight for me, but I've got to get in the fight. I got to be willing to cut off things. Some of you this morning, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, there's some of you, you need to make a decision in this service, at the end of this service, as part of your spiritual response to the word of God, you need to make a decision. I'm cutting this off out of my life. I'm done with it. And you got to get radical. I mean, radical. Like this is, a, this is messy. You cannot play around with sin. And that's the problem. We want to play around. With, we want to go hang out with the devil in the playground. Yeah, we want to go on the seesaw together and go up and down. We want to go get in the dirt and play patty cake with the devil and play around with sin. And we think we could play around with it and then walk away with it. But you know what? He pulls up in the car and he opens the door and he says, come on in. I got some candy for you. And he slams the door. And before you know it, you are in bondage and you've been abducted by sin. You can't play around with sin. You got to cut it out. Jesus, we might, some people take this literally. I don't take it literally. I, I take it like Jesus was giving us an illustration that if you, you know what freedom looks like? Freedom looks like you get radical and you cut some things out of your life. You got to get rid of that internet, that smartphone. You got whatever you got to do. Freedom is messy. You got to go home and pour out those, that booze. You got to dump those pills down. You got to throw out those divorce papers. Come on, whatever you got to do, freedom is messy business. But you got to make a cut. You can't play around with sin. The last thing I have for you is freedom is a new way of life. Freedom is a new way of life. You can't expect to live free and live in your old life. But this is how many of us approach our Christian life. We get, we get forgiven and we like the idea of freedom, but we don't want to sacrifice the old life. Just like the Israelites. They like the idea of being free. And, and listen, it's a bloody mind. He, put, he took them through the Red Sea. And before the night of declaration, let my people go, by the way, a lamb was slaughtered and the blood was put on the door. It's a bloody mess, but it brings us freedom. Even after they were free, they started, as soon as life started getting a little bit hard, didn't have water right there to draw from, didn't have the nice lamb and the garlic and the leeks and all those things they used to have in their former life when they were slaves. Somehow they forgot that they were in bondage. And they had selective memory. Just like the enemy wants us to have selective memory. You remember how good it was when we used to party and we used to go out to the bar on Friday night and we'd go have the keggers in the woods? Remember how good it was when we could have all the sex we want and we wouldn't have to feel guilty about it? Now, we don't talk about that in church, but that's the reality. If you're going to be free, what freedom looks like is you learn to live a new life in the life that Jesus died to give you. Romans 6.14 says it like this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. I got a new master. I got a new king. And by the way, he's the king of kings and Lord of lords. 
He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the faithful one. He's the, he's the one that's going to come back, by the way. Jesus is still coming back. I know it was a song in the 70s, but it's still true today because it's written in the book. Sin is no longer your master. You got to see, this is the problem. When some of the, when some of the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and, and Jesus said, you're not free, they were like, what do you mean? We've never been slaves to anyone. <laughs> That's funny right there. They were, as they spoke, under Roman tyranny. <laughs> and they're saying, we've never been in. This is the problem, see. Bondage is deceptive. You need a revelation, and we need the Spirit of God to help us. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. But conviction isn't enough. We need to recognize the lies that we've believed, and we need to renounce them. It starts with a declaration, but you gotta walk out a demonstration of what you believe. This is why Jesus said, when they said to him, we've never been slaves. And he said, oh man, you're missing it. He says, if you want to truly be my disciples, then you need to do something. And you gotta get this, get this, get this. Abide in my word. See, we don't like to abide in the word. We like to do social media Bible reading. We like to scroll through the word. We like to skim over the word. We've lost the art of abiding in the word. Abiding is different. Abiding is dwelling. Abiding is sitting down. We are too distracted. We, our attention span, our culture and media has conditioned us not to be able to sit, be still and know that I am God. We're too busy running around doing this, doing that. We don't got no time to abide in the word. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth. Actually, a better word is will make you free. I want to be made free. We're made free as we abide in the word. So here's what I want you to do. In, in areas where you feel stuck and you don't have freedom, find scripture that speaks to that area of your life. Write it down. Put it on a postcard. Every morning and every night when you get up, before you go to bed, read it, abide in it, chew on it, marinate on it, let it get deep down. You got to push it down. You got to push it down past Instagram. You got to push it down by Facebook. Book, you got to push it down by the text and your calendar and you got to let it get down deep in you because Romans 6 18 you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to what righteousness this is the problem have we settled for second-best Christianity do you know when the Israelites finally made it onto the verge of getting into the promised land? Notice how God said to Joshua, see, I have given you this land, which is full of milk and honey, good things. Let me translate it to modern day, peace, joy, love. There's no physical promised land. There's a spiritual promised land inside of you that God wants to occupy the whole part of you. And when God occupies and gets rid of the enemies that are in the land, the more you get free of the enemies, the more you get full of God. The problem is just like in Galatians later on in chapter five, it says, you wanna get free. You wanna know what freedom looks like. You wanna know what standing firm in freedom looks like. 
it looks like walking in the Spirit. That's in the righteousness that Jesus died to give. That's like, I'm a new man. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm not addicted. I'm free. I'm not, I'm not a liar. I'm not a cheat. I am who God says I am. But when they were on the verge, you know what they do? They were raiding. They had raiding parties. They would go in and they would do battles and they would win the battles. Here's the problem. They would go back to their camp on the other side of the river. So they would win some battles, but they never possessed the land. There's a difference. This is why some of us aren't truly free. We have won some battles. You might win a battle with temptation, but unless you allow the Spirit of God to occupy and take possession of the land, God never said, go beat them up, go drive them out of the land. No, He said, that's no good. If you just drive them out of the land, guess what? They'll come back unless you occupy it. And you know who gets to occupy it? The very Spirit of the living God. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So here's what I want us to do at the end of this. I feel the Spirit of God here in a powerful way. I know it's 4th of July weekend and all, and we got Krispy Kreme, red, white, and blue donuts out there for you, but I would be amiss as your pastor if I didn't say, in the closing moments, number one, where are you tired of the tyranny? tell you for a lot of us just like in the room that you can relate that there's things that come back over time you see with every battle comes scars with every battle comes scars and the enemy knows your scars your scars are where you're vulnerable and you need to know it and you need to protect it because the enemy knows where your scars are. He knows where you're vulnerable. But let me tell you something. Your scars are the most powerful thing that you have. Your scars are your testimony. Your scars are your story. There's stories to your scars. The scars prove that you've been healed, made whole, set free, and delivered. I'm looking out of some people with some scars. You got some battle scars. I love what Dan Allender says, don't ever trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp. Don't trust anybody that doesn't have some scars for some battles they've won, right? Just like when Thomas came to Jesus and says, I won't believe unless I see the scars in his hands and in his side. Let me tell you what a lost and dying world needs to see. They need to see your scars. They need to see that you're real people, that you fought some battles and because Jesus fought those battles alongside you. I have given you 
every place that you've put your foot. There's no re there, there's it's no coincidence that Paul said, then stand firm. You gotta walk it out. You gotta take some ground. Some of you need to take some ground right here, right now. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Number one, repent. Repent is saying it's recognizing the sin in my life and saying, I don't agree with it anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm turning from it. I'm changing my mind. I need you, Jesus, to forgive me, to fill me with your spirit. I renounce every lie of the enemy that I have believed into. And now I am accepting the authority. You know that you've been given authority. That's part of your new nature, walking it out in the new man, is I'm walking in the authority that is given to me in Christ Jesus, that I am a saint, I am a blood-bought son or daughter of the Most High God, and greater is he that is in me than is in the world. So would you do that right now? And then we're gonna sing this one last song. We're gonna remind ourselves, he's our champion. He's already won the battle. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. So come on, right now, I'm just going to open up this altar. And you know what? For some of you, it's going to take something radical to change. It's going to take you saying, I don't care what other people think. This is messy. It might mess up my reputation, but I don't care. I'm tired of the tyranny. I'm ready to be free of it. And I'll do whatever it takes. If that means coming up to the altar, I'm gonna have the prayer team over here ready to pray with you, break some things off of you. But I'm telling you, today is your day of independence. So Father, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come? All this is for this moment. Come on, you are the very spirit of freedom, Holy Spirit that you would move right now. There's some of you in this room, if you're here today and you have never been free from your sin and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now is your moment. Just raise your hand. Don't even wait. Just pop it up right now. Don't even care who's looking around. Just pop it up right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Come on. This is your moment. This is your day. You want to be free? You got to get radical. It's messy. Jesus died to make you free. You can walk in that freedom today. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, come on nice and loud. Jesus, thank you for setting me free from sin and the power of sin. Would you forgive me? 